0: Hey, it's g When I can't test it where it is, I look to move it somewhere else where I can test it. Today's notion isn't so much a single refactoring as it is a strategy that can be achieved in different ways with different multiple steps. A modern and frequently occurring case using a cool framework to expose service endpoints. We write a function and then we annotate it, and poof, it's an endpoint. This is how Java plus Spring Boot works, or Python plus Flask. When we give that function a body, it will be a body of our branching logic, OBL, we call it. We've already discussed that OBL is the main target of our tests, so we definitely want to test that function. Sadly, testing that usually involves one or more of three different kinds of alley. We'll have to either, or, and, one, fire up the app, Two, fire up the framework's test rig. Three, instantiate the class containing the method. Most of the time, none of these three choices is a fountain of geek joy. The problem with all three of those choices is in the weight of that framework. And and it's not a problem that's avoidable. I mean, we chose that framework precisely because it does so much for us. Of course it's heavy. Now, let's be clear. My objection here is not about it being impossible to do one of those three things. It's not. All three of them are doable. We're all geeks with mad skills, and so are the framework writers. It's doable. It's just not wonderful. And here's where my recurring theme pops up. I'm the boss. The code works for me. I don't work for the code. If the code forces me to do one of those 3 unwonderful things, it's the code that's going to change, not me. So what's the answer? Well, conceptually, it's easy. We'll deal with some in-practice complications in a second. It's OUI to test the OBL code where it is, so let's put it somewhere else, call it from where it is now, and then we can test it in its new, easier to test place. The standard someplace else is just another class. We start with class MyFrameworkEndpoint and some method do something all annotated up with a body that consists of our OBL. We end with two classes, MyFrameworkEndpoint and MyFrameworkListHandler and the OBL is now in the new class. Notice that word frameworkless. That's important. What we're really doing is using two classes, one that uses framework-isms and one that doesn't. The framework is what was forcing one of those three choices. It doesn't help us if the new class also uses framework-isms. One way to understand my framework endpoint is to understand it as a boundary, part of the rim, Everything outside the rim is frameworky. Everything inside the rim is frameworkless. My framework endpoint's single responsibility is to make that translation. Okay. the complications. Very often, the naive endpoint function freely intermixes framework code with our branching logic. Something like this, FW, FW, OBL, FW, OBL, 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 pass FW. FW passed an OBL. The first trick then is just reorder the code. Put all the OBL code together, usually either at the end or in the middle. It's very often just that easy. The only reason it was intermixed at all was because we typed it in in that way, not because the ordering was actually required. Sometimes OBL has to actually have an effect on the framework. At its simplest, we handle this by having the OBL return something the framework can use that causes that effect. If it's trickier than that, we can use one of our dependency inversion techniques like observer or callbacks or lambdas to make that happen. This happens every once in a while, but not so often that, as the naive endpoint code would make it seem. There's one more complication we sometimes encounter. The framework has lots of clever Jim Crackery to insert sneaky framework code into other classes, and we have to not write our code that way. Auto-wired is often used this way. The answer here is simple, don't do that. Anything I can cleverly inject into my frameworkless class, I can also explicitly pass. I can even translate it to a frameworkless interface before I do the passing. At the risk of offending, I'm going to tell you, I don't use clever DI, dependency injection frameworks at all, even the ones that let you freely intermix with explicit passing. The reason is similar to my rationale for not using auto automockers. It lets you do too many things one oughtn't be doing. So we've looked at one case of moving code we want to test to someplace where it's easy to test, but this isn't a technique that's restricted to service endpoints or or even to framework environments. Another framework setting first, apps with UIs nearly always use a framework. The problem is exactly analogous to the endpoint situation. I don't want to test it with the UI running. And the answer is the same. Make the OBL not use the framework. Move it elsewhere, test it there. Sometimes the problem isn't a framework up on top, it's a library on the bottom. Direct expressions of SQL in your code make that code untestable without a live and populated database. So here, the RIM class is at the bottom, and its single responsibility isn't de-frameworking, but de-databasing the interactions. Such approaches usually work by returning answers as generic or custom containers. If those containers can be hand-loaded, instead of going through the database, then we can test our OBL without having a database laying around. Now, there's one more very, very simple case of this, involving neither frameworks nor libraries. The single most common question from would-be TDDers in their early efforts, how do I test complex private methods? Do you see the answer now? Put them someplace where they're not private and test them there. In the before, we have A.public calling A.private. In the after, we have A.public calling its private member of type B's B.public. The OBL has moved out of A.private and into B.public, where we can test it to our heart's content. Clients of A still have no idea that such functionality is even available. They can't see that private B. So you can see what I mean now when I say that today's idea isn't really a refactoring. It's a strategy with a variety of tactical approaches to accomplish it. By way of calling out my themes, one, the code works for you. You don't work for the code. Two, most refactoring is about rearranging things, not eliminating them. Three, the most important code to test is our branching logic. And four, don't let anything keep you from testing anything that you want to test. I'm G-Paw thanks for listening. Hey folks, the Change Harvesting Camerata, an informal gathering of change harvesters, is open. Come to gpahill.org slash camarada and check it out. Join today. The first 50 yearly members get a personal consultation with me, g Thanks.